Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Juliet Sampson for a fantastic new episode of our Woman in Supply Chain series. Juliet has over 20 years of experience as an executive global business operations and technology leader. She is passionate about digitization initiatives that transform businesses, and she shared some of her amazing insights and experiences with us on that episode. She told us all about her journey from engineering to IT and supply chain. She shared what she's learned as a member of the committee, Extraordinary Women on Boards, and she introduced us to a new trend, which was Music to My Ears, the hyper-collaboration startup. Whether you're new to supply chain or an old hat, this episode is essential listening. You can find it over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 342. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. When you're looking for cutting-edge resources on innovation and trends across supply chain, where do you go? What about when you're on a mission to find like-minded professionals and cultivate relationships that go beyond an emoji reaction? And what about when you're trying to generate leads, build campaigns, and get ahead of the game in the unique world of supply chain marketing? Supply Chain has been missing a single collaborative hub that brings people and ideas together in an environment that is safe yet stimulating for everyone until now. Just one platform that's as dynamic and innovative as you are. Welcome to the Secret Society of Supply Chain, a private network for the supply chain community. An industry first brought to you by supply chain media entrepreneur, Sarah Barnes Humphrey. The Secret Society of Supply Chain brings professionals of all backgrounds and experience levels together in the industry's largest dynamic network, focusing on industry learning and career development, as well as networking and community. The Secret Society of Supply Chain hosts all the content, connection, and creativity you need for supply chain success. But which group is for you? Well, head over to letstalksupplychain.com, find the Secret of Society banner, and take the quiz and join our waitlist. There are limited number of spots available, so make sure to get on that waitlist so that you are one of the first into the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Are you ready for a question? How much capital funding was injected into supply chain technology in 2021? I'll give you a clue. It was an all-time high. Let us know what you think over on social media and keep listening because all will be revealed at the end of the show. So today I'm joined by a company with a vision of a future where supply chain departments lead the transformation of their industries instead of simply transporting it. It's a vision that many of us share, but which organization does it belong to? Well, I'll reveal it after the poll of the week. So the question we asked you, what is the best email sign? off. 60% of you said best wishes, warm regards. 22% of you said sincerely. And then we had a tie of 9%, no sign off or they shared their opinion. Lucinda, many thanks. Leah, I change it up based on my relationship and tone of the email. 
Heather, I think it depends on who you're emailing. Peter says, regards, that's my sign-off. Mandy, I always end my emails with thanks. Cullen, I always say thank you. Kathleen, take care. Michael, ciao. <laughs> Helmet, the golden answer, it depends. If you know already your the person that you are talking to or not. Susan says it depends. I change it based on who I'm emailing. Tony says smiles and achievements. I love that one. Jennifer, thank you. Tom says thanks. Elsie says kind regards. I say to our success. I've had a lot of people comment on that one. Samantha Jones, it depends on who you are talking to, but usually kind regards. Ismarie, best regards. Lisa, it depends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Taylor says, my sign-off is not professional by any means, but it makes people smile, and it says, hasta la pasta. I love that. Lennox says, respectfully. Paul says, thank you. So many amazing comments on this particular poll and question of the week. Now, we ask you a question every single Wednesday morning over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, as well as our Instagram. So now, back to today's episode, and which exciting tech brand is joining me today? Well, it's Logword. Logword is a logistics technology company offering supply chain management as a service, delivering end-to-end -end visibility as well as control over freight shipments through cloud-based solutions. As a 4PL, Logword helps shippers manage FCL, LCL, air, and overland transports while reducing unplanned costs like detention and demurrage, improving invoice accuracy, monitoring allocations and capacity, and much, much more. And it's Jonas Crumland, the CEO at Logward, that is joining me today. Jonas honed his skills across various supply chain functions at global freight forwarder Lachasco, ultimately taking responsibility for their global digitization efforts as head of global business transformation in 2016. Pulling together all the experience and insight he had gained, Jonas developed the idea behind Logward in 2018 and has gone on to grow the brand as CEO. Today, I'll be asking Jonas all about Logword and what they do, improving relationships and optimizing spend through integration, and the importance of putting a focus on changing mindsets, as well as building great software. So welcome to the show, Jonas. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hi, Sarah. I am so excited to have you here. We met at LogTech back in... When was that? The end of February. And we had a lot to talk about. I thought that what you are working on is really amazing. And I know that you live and breathe supply chain management and logistics. So it's nice to have a guest who's so passionate. You're traveling the world. I absolutely love your approach to business. You're as much about the people as the technology. And supply chain really needs that right now. So I cannot wait to find out more. I can't wait for the audience to find out more. So let's just dive in. I mean, you founded Logword in April 2018. So you've just celebrated your five-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Thank so take us back five years and talk to us about what was happening in the market and the vision that you had that led to the creation of Logword. Happy to do so. Thank you. And uh, first of all, let me let me start off by saying uh, the best birthday cake we could have ever gotten was your intro you just gave to me. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the kind words. And that was a very, very tasty birthday cake. Um, <laughs> awesome. 
Um, but yeah, um, five years feels feels much longer, to be honest. Um, it was a pretty boring approach and uh, nothing fancy at all. Um, back in the days, I was uh, working for a um, freight forwarding specialist and lots of the customers we were serving back then, which are multinational corporates, were looking for what you would call a lead logistics service provider, an LLP, who could manage their supply chain holistically from end to end all over the world. And um, back in the days, back in the days, um, six, seven years ago, when we had the initial ideas, there were rumors in the market that we could now completely digitize what an LLP would do. So complete digitization of end-to-end -end supply chain management from receiving a purchase order to uh, issuing a freight audit. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. And that's how I started <laughs> producing my own prototypes. It's as simple as that. I, I love that. <laughs> well, that's and you're like that's exactly what a supply chain professional does, right? We find a solution to a problem, and you really rolled the dice around digitization because even five years ago, I mean, some people were on the fence, right? Yes, of course. Uh, I mean, um, I, I obviously, as as you said, I, I, I live and breathe as supply chain management, and as such, a supply chain management nerd. Uh, I feel much pain when when hearing those narratives that are commonly being used around the industry when it's about uh, technology and digitization within our area, which, you know, some of the narratives go, uh, nothing has happened for the last 20 or 30 years, and, and that's absolutely not true. Um, so when you're saying people were on the fence, of course, like uh, there are many, many, many great um, solutions out there, not, not only since yesterday, not only since we exist. Uh, so, um, yeah. Awesome. So before we get an overview of what exactly you do at LogWord, what are you seeing in the market right now? Because I'm sure you didn't think so much would change in five short years, but the pandemic was bang in the middle of your brand's lifetime. So what do the key challenges and trends look like right now? Um, I think I, I would I would very politely and kindly push back a little on that and, and also explain why I feel that way. Um, sure. I do not think that so much has changed in our landscape uh, during the last five years. What has definitely changed is the attention and the sense of urgency that comes along with, uh, with the character that our uh, landscape and ecosystem has right now. Um, so we're still talking about the same issues that we did have five years ago. And the big buzzword is visibility. Um, and I'm not only talking about where is my order, where is my container, where is my pallet, where is my article, um, my SKU. But I'm talking also about uh, how much did a certain move within my supply chain cost? How is my partner performance? What is my time to market? What is my on time? performance and so on and so forth. So all of those things to me are visibility and transparency. And it's the same as five years ago. That's where uh, a lot of companies uh, struggle in that area. Um, and what has maybe added or what what rose um, um, to, to the surface now is the whole resilience topic. So nobody can predict uh, what will happen in 2024. Absolutely nobody. Uh, if we just look back within the last two or three years, nobody could have ever predicted that. And that's why I believe uh, getting flexible supply chain setups and flexible supply chain solutions has become more important than ever. And uh, mm -hmm. it is similar to uh, to the past. And that's what, what we keep working on. 
Yeah, being agile, right? We keep hearing the word resilient, but I think, you know, we need to be talking more about agility and being flexible, collaboration, like I always talk about. I mean, those are really the words that are going to take us into the future. So give us an overview of LogWord. What is it that you do? You know, how do you help your customers? Break it down for us. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, So we call ourselves a supply chain orchestration control tower, which is basically a cloud platform that enables our customers to manage their supply chain end-to-end. Our customers are usually multinational corporates uh, having different business units in different regions around the world, uh, having different requirements in their supply chain setup, which is usually very fragmented. Mm. And we bring bring them a place in which they can, for example, manage uh, the orders, Uh, whether it's sales or purchase orders, uh, where they can plan their transports, where they can run their logistics procurements, um, and where they can finally execute uh, transportation. Um, All of that um, we do in a what we call no-code environment. So our customers can completely customize and tailor um, their setup without having an army of 10 software engineers uh, sitting on it and working on it. Um, and what we've seen in the past is that we've got three main areas in which customers benefit from it, which is they get more attractive to their customers because mm-hmm. they can integrate with, with their uh, supply chain ecosystem. So they can, for example, integrate with their customers. So the customers can see when will my goods arrive. Right. That's one thing. Um, the other um, key value that we see is um, improved supply chain OPEX. So the total supply chain cost can be improved. Very tangible example is uh, detention emerge charges will immediately go down uh, when bringing in visibility. And the third, um, the third um, key value that we that we want to provide is you called it agility leading to resilience. Um, we want to enable our customers to quickly adjust their supply chain setup without adjusting the process. Hmm. Amazing! That sounds great. Like, and you can customize. The dashboard or the different things that you can do within the system to make it so that it's unique to you. Because at the end of the day, supply chains are a unique competitive advantage. And I've been talking about this actually in a few panels over the last couple of weeks about how we need to think not only about our customers, but our customers' customers. So as flexible as we can be, we can also enable our customers' customer to be flexible as well, right? Exactly. That's that's exactly what it is. Yes, and um, and especially when looking at at our um, customers, um, you know, we have a lot of customers who have been affected by lots of M and A activities. So they buy and sell certain business units, um, which then come with uh, very unique supply chain setups. Yes. And we cannot we cannot allow uh, every time like a two years um, tailoring project of mm-hmm. an ERP system um, to to happen. Right. We we need to be quicker. And, and that's where we feel very comfortable. Yeah, I've been talking about that as well in the fact that with mergers and acquisitions, companies coming together, there's lots of different technologies at play. And so how do you actually bring everybody together from a technology standpoint? So you're right on with that. Yeah, it, it's it's a very, very difficult um, question. And, and I believe there's like there's no perfect answer to it. I can I can describe what our approach is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we keep it very simple and very, very uh, stupid so that people like me can understand it. Um, it's um, 
I believe it's easier to to tweak and to adjust technology than it is to tweak and adjust human beings. Mm. What it means is um, we have seen better results when trying to adapt uh, the the tech part of a challenge um, to the business process, then trying to re-educate the organization and the people working in the organization. Mm. To give a very tangible example, when and to come back to your initial question, when you're talking about how do we tailor things and how do we integrate, um, I can give you an example of a customer onboarding. Yeah. Um, we, for example, onboard suppliers and customers and partners of our customers um, to our cloud. And we sit together bilaterally with all of them. Of course, we try to also have workshops and have as many synergies as possible. But at the end of the day, it is a bilateral integration of all the stakeholders um, that our customer needs to work with. And we believe for us, of course, it's 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 not the most efficient way. Um, but first, we want to integrate everyone and then we can discuss on uh, potential process improvements. Well, and what it does is it establishes trust, it establishes collaboration, it brings everybody to the table and make them feel like they're part of the process. I mean, that's got to be part of the success of what you do. Yes, the 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 um, the keyword there is, um, or maybe two keywords, um, buy-in. Um, buy-in is super important, and that will result in the second uh, the second keyword, which is customer retention. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, it is very, very important to have a very high customer retention, mm -hmm. which luckily we have. Um, and we can only get there if everyone involved, and this is not only the person or the company that pays our bills, but also their partners, their ecosystem. They all need to be engaged. They all need to be happy. We need all of their buy-ins. Um, because if you ask someone within supply chain management area, um, how happy are you working in software application number 17 now nobody will say yes Sarah please right. give me give me number 17 <laughs> number 18 nobody does that right so um everyone is like skeptical um and let's say reserved um in the beginning um when when anyone is trying to you know um move towards change in their supply chain management setup and we just got to respect that that's why the buy-in for us is so super important and that's why we go this for us inefficient way of uh, bilaterally integrating with partners Great. Thank you for explaining that. Now, you mentioned that you're a supply chain process orchestration control tower. You have German and Indian roots. So what are the customers you work with in terms of size, location, industry? Do you have an ideal customer of, of who you who you work with? Yes, it, it it has or it is about to change now. Um, so we do have some legacy. We're a corporate venture um, um, being funded by a freight forwarding company, a global freight forwarding company that has always been very active in the chemical um, vertical. Um, and obviously, we kind of like inherited that. Um, our network within the chemical um, industry is very good. Uh, and also the solutions that we developed were heavily inspired and influenced by that uh, by yeah. that vertical by that industry. And if you look at our very short uh, life as a company um, up to today, a lot of the solutions we can now offer have been collaboratively built with those large uh, multinational corporates. So we're talking um, um, north of 100 million US dollar of uh, annual logistics spend. Trans transportation spend, I, I should uh, I should specify, 
Um, we're talking about different business units. We're talking about very fragmented landscapes. We're talking about a high level of complexity. We're talking about different regions in which our customers are active. Um, so pretty, pretty high complexity. And uh, we have we have kind of like tailored our solutions towards their needs. We have now seen that surprisingly consumer goods industry have, has picked up on that and found interest in that solution in those solutions as well. And now we're at a maturity stage in which we also look into other segments of the markets, um, other verticals, other industries, for example, pushing consumer goods more, um, pushing um, electronics more, going into the US um, more focused, um, staying in Europe, building our presence there. And to wrap it up in in, in one sentence or in, in one very tangible thing, I would say, the ideal customer for us today is any company that has a rather complex supply chain setup and does not want to spend three years of time resources and uh, more than 10 million US dollars in implementing a market leading ERP system and, you know, uh, squeeze it to be fit for for their needs. Whenever Absolutely. that whenever companies do not want to do that, we're happy to help with with our no code tailoring. And I appreciate you for explaining that as well, because, and it's interesting how you started in one core industry, and now you can take what you've built for that particular industry and move it into other industries as well, and really take along with you the benefits that you've seen, right? Yeah, um, I mean, maybe maybe this is also slightly our culture, uh, and like for for. I mean, obviously, none of your audience uh, uh, could participate in our prep calls, but but in our prep calls, I said whenever a German person says it is okay, in other parts of the world, it would mean it's amazing, right? So I, I would say the the stereotypical um, German culture is being very very much down to earth and very humble, uh, and very also self critical, and I think one hundred percent of that is also true for us. Uh, and it matches perfectly with our uh, corporate venture DNA. So we started building a solution for a real life problem mm -hmm. um uh, our investors are in business since 145 years uh in more than 25 countries around the world the customers they served uh are equally old um so yeah it's exactly as you as you mentioned it um we we basically just listened to the the customer requirements and then started going to work Amazing. So you have three core solutions. Let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into what you offer. And let's talk about those individually. So your sourcing solutions, what do they do? What are the key features? And what are the benefits? I mean, if you have an example, or some stats that you can share of maybe a success story, that would be great. Sure. Um, so basically, just to give a little bit of um, background of how our product offering is structured. Um, anything you will find in LogWords can be used in a modular way, right? So you don't need to buy the big mansion, the big villa. Um, if you only want to have an Air, uh, Airbnb for one night, uh, that's perfectly fine, right? Um, so, so what the analogy we did, is great. <laughs> and and I made it up on the spot, to be honest. Uh, or maybe I need to change it in the future, but okay, if you like it, I'm happy. Um, um, so what we did though is to kind of like put brackets around our functionality modules um, to make it a little easier to, to, to understand. And what we call sourcing solutions are all the functionalities and, and all the modules that help our customers managing their orders. 
for example, purchase orders or, for example, sales orders, um, so outgoing orders or incoming orders, uh, supplier management, um, and things that go along with that. And to give you a tangible example, um, for lots of our customers, and this is primarily being used in consumer goods verticals, um, they issue or they release purchase orders through our cloud to their suppliers. Mm-hmm. Then they mutually, together with the suppliers that also are integrated to to the cloud platform, then work on the purchase orders. So if you say, okay, I want um, one thousand iPhones for the next um, for the next quarter, um, the supplier would then say, okay, ten of those are ready now, Sarah. Off they go. I will ship them via air freight now because it's only ten small package. And then you can see, okay, the remaining amount is sitting idle at what? When will it be fulfilled? And so on and so forth. And um, we can also consolidate and split those purchase orders and when you're asking for success stories or um or some stats we have seen in the past uh an improvement of 30 percent less transport demand and we do that by bringing in our data analytics team to go as deep as for example how do we need to schedule our ftl and ltl truckloads um going from warehouse to warehouse does it have to be every day or can we do it uh, only three times a week um can we maybe implement some hub and spoke um, um, concepts? Can we maybe consolidate um, in in broader um, area, like regional areas? Um, those are all the questions that we can answer when having transparency and visibility in our data, which is exactly what we do. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. So then you have procurement solutions, and I think they're addressing some of the industry's trending concerns, helping to solve for like capacity, forecasting, rates. Why don't you bring that solution to life for us? As as you mentioned, this has definitely been the, um, let's say, best-selling area of Logboard in the last years. And what we do is we try to wear the procurement manager's hat yeah. And think about how she or he um, would would tackle their daily life best. And and obviously, when when imagining that scenario, you are talking about RFQ management, whether it's spot uh, spot market or whether it's long term market. So we do have a tender management solution which our customers can use. Um, and regardless of whether they do use our tender management solution or not, um, they can manage their capacity. So um, keywords would be MQCs. Um, how do I make sure that whatever I committed to my partners in terms of volume, in terms of uh, seasonality, how can I make sure that I stick to it? So we do have an allocation management feature, which tells you exactly, hey, Sarah, this is what you signed up for in your annual contract. Broken down to weeks, it means that this week you should be shipping five containers from A to B. Right. Um, out of which you have already booked three, so two are remaining. If you need to ship three or four, we will automatically send a send an alert to to your partners, mm-hmm. uh, to your carriers or three PLs, um, and yeah. we can uh, break down the planning to to vessel uh, to vessel level. So we do have all the schedules in our system. We can tell you exactly based on your um, volume commitment and routing guide. This is how you should ship your next purchase order, huh. and that I mean I don't have to like the chaos. The pandemic chaos was obviously pushing this massively. Yeah, absolutely. So you can actually plan alongside your freight forwarding partners and the carriers, et cetera, et cetera, as to a purchase order of what needs to be shipped by when. And you get like this massive alert. I'm I'm thinking like the Budweiser, you know. 
<laughs> siren for hockey. You know what I mean? You get this like big siren that's like, alert, alert, you've only shipped three. You need two to keep up with that purchase order. This is what yep. you need to do. This is what they need to do. This is how we get everybody involved and collaborate. Exactly. I, I will talk to our product management right after the call to um, to push the siren idea a bit. More. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we need to negotiate your commission for for it later. On. But, uh, but you're right. Um, and 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 you mentioned one one very important piece. Um, it always depends on how our customers are structured. Some of them have their own transport management teams or transport planning right. teams. So in that case, they would be using our software themselves. And then we have other customers who who say no. I don't want to provide the resources for it. I do have my partners, my freight forwarders, um, who are supposed to manage uh, to be managing it for me. So in that case, we then again integrate the freight forwarding partners mm. to do the allocation management on the platform. And you know, coming from a freight forwarding background, I mean that, that is gold. <laughs> you know, I can get an alert that says, "Hey, your customer still needs to ship two more containers this month or this yes. week or whatever that looks like." I mean, I can get on that. I can book the empty, get it to the manufacturer or the shipper, get it loaded, and get it booked. And that way, we know in advance you know, yes. what we have or what we need to be looking out for. And we can actually be proactive as a freight voter <laughs> to also communicate with the customer. So it just brings everybody together, which is what I like. Exactly. exactly. And that's exactly what we do. We usually send eight to 12 weeks out rolling forecasts to all the involved parties. Huh. And the key number you'd be looking for, because I, I would then claim, hey, this is improving carrier relationship, right? Yeah. So if I tell you working for a carrier, Sorry, Sarah, um, I'll be short 20% this week. Um, I mean, this is life. This happens every day in supply yeah. chain management. But you as a carrier would want to be in, informed and, and know it in advance, right? So that you can react accordingly. And, and uh, we can see how the carrier relationship improves. We look at, for example, booking rejection ratio. How often is a booking rejected? And mm -hmm. we can see that this number decreases the longer um, our allocation management uh, features being used and the better the forecasts predict the volume um the more transparency in in the carrier relationship the 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 better the relationship and we can see it in decreased booking rejection ratio numbers well and traditionally it's always been the blame game on the logistics side like, who is to blame? And now we're being proactive in the way that we're using technology, bringing everybody together as much as we possibly can to yes. really predict and help everybody plan. And so we're not just reacting to some of those, you know, things that do come up, like you said, every single day. Yes. And let me maybe add one last point to it, um, because you're, 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 you're triggering something super important. Um, I have personally seen or felt in the past that procurement is very often understood to sending out a request and then comparing the incoming Excel quotes and choosing the cheapest, and that's procurement. But that, that, that is not procurement. Um, procurement should be exactly what you said, which is, in my own words, treating your partners as partners, yeah. not as uh, service providers who can be squeezed yeah. at the very end. And you can actually see in numbers, in financial numbers, that at least in our small ecosystem, um, that those of our customers who treat their landscape as partners and collaboratively work with them based on forecasts very transparently, they have lower supply chain OPEX 
compared to those who go spot shopping and just uh, hop from service provider A to service provider B and do not really build a strategic relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that goes both ways, too. So your third uh, core solution is transport solutions. Is that what we just spoke about? Or or is there more that you can sort of dig in for us? It, it is partially what we just uh, talked about. Um, so transport planning is one thing, but then once you are done with your planning, you can also uh, place the booking. Um, so we are integrated with all the carriers um, via EDI and API. Um, we are also integrated with the large um, freight forwarders around the world. Um, so you can, once you're done with your planning, once you know um, which uh, aircraft, which uh, vessel, which truck I want to place my booking on, you can just hit the button and and uh, execute it. Um, right. And then, of course, um, you also want to know about the status. This is what we call transport controlling. Other companies call it real-time uh, transportation visibility, the huge uh, hot topic. For us, that's one tiny part of the overall equation because if we're, for example, talking detention and merge or any delay, um, it's nice to know, or rather not nice to know, that a shipment is delayed. But the real question is, so then what? What, what do I do about it? And, and yeah. this is why we believe visibility is more or, or like um, managing um, non-conformances and delays is more than just knowing what's happening. We also need to know, okay, why has it happened and what are my options to uh, yeah. to of the solution and just to to make it then complete uh, for us our transportation solutions also have time slot management the tracking features and we can uh, have electronic proof of deliveries uh, sign on glass um, and a whole documentation management so any transport document you that comes to your mind can be archived and processed in, in our in our cloud platform Awesome. And so it's just really, you know, a great way to be able to bring all of that together in one place, right? And we're going to talk about fragmentation in a little bit because I have another question for you. But typically, you've got things in different places or you've got, you know, the delivery company is different than the freight forwarder and you're waiting for the proof of delivery. And how do we get that? Or how do you get triggered to remember to get that? Because maybe your customer needs it. I know that PODs have always been... (laughs) The bane of existence for freight forwarding companies, carriers, you know, supply chain professionals. But can you talk to us through how you work with a customer? Because, you know, organizations can benefit from individual features or combine them for a unique customized setup. So how do you work through that process of understanding your customers' needs and then help them to create that very strategic customized control tower? Um, so I know I am uh, talking a lot today, um, but usually when not being in a podcast with you, um, we rather want to stick to listening uh, more than talking. <laughs> and, and, and it's a good that, philosophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it works. Also, you can be lazy and not talk that much. It's very convenient. Um, no, but but jokes aside, um, what what we usually do is whenever we get in touch with a potentially interested company. Of course, we first uh, show them, hey, this is everything you can do, um, but this should be limited to a very short amount of or a short period of time in which we brag about ourselves. Um, I think uh, we wouldn't succeed w- without a bit of bragging, right. um, but we want to get over with the bragging part as, as soon as possible and as quickly as possible and then really listen. So um, we like to bring in our solution engineering team mm-hmm. and really listen to our customers or to our prospects 
um, in describing what their biggest bottlenecks are. We always uh, come up with a blueprint of their supply chain setup. And then we discuss together with the customer, okay, and where do things break? How do you today manage your orders? How do you communicate with your freight forwarders? Is there a difference how you communicate with freight forwarder A compared to freight forwarder B? Um, how do you communicate with your customers? So we come up with a large, colorful picture of the supply chain. And then we decide together with the customer, are we going for a huge end-to-end -end solution? Or do you want to start in iterations and only do, for example, a tracking uh, bit with us for now? Mm -hmm. And this is how we then get, uh, get rolling. And we always work in, in agile sprint methodology. Um, so yeah, if a customer says, I want my orders to be managed through your platform, we can go live really quickly with only that. And if the customers like it, then we can discuss about more or keep it that way. Well, and I like that, right? Because you're going into it, like you said, you're bragging for a little bit, but then you're also taking the time to listen and what it is that you need. And like you said earlier, is it the mansion or is it the condo on Airbnb that you're looking for to start with? And you can grow with them. Right. Yeah. So they can start with one product. They can start with one feature potentially, and then they can grow into different features. And that's got to help with onboarding and training as well, because sometimes when you implement the whole thing, everybody just kind of gets overwhelmed. Yes. It, it, like what, whatever we're discussing again revolves around uh, the buy in that we get. Right. Um, Every seasoned supply chain manager has seen those huge uh, projects, uh, technolo uh, technology projects, uh, software projects in supply chain management, which take five years plus and uh, ridiculous amounts of budget. Um, and at the end, they're not successful. And, and I believe that the main root cause is people who have been pushing for that may have ignored certain angles that were important and you you avoid ignoring those or forgetting those angles by listening properly um and 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 that's what we really try to do well we always... let's let's talk a little bit more about that because despite being a tech company you understand that tech alone will not just solve your customers challenges you guys talk about that a lot we're told we need technology but we don't necessarily have some of the other things in place that should go hand in hand with us so talk to us about the lack of transformational resources across many businesses how is that sort of impacting or slowing down change and digitization across the industry why is it so important to you to change mindsets as well as build great software um I mean, I don't know a single company around the world that says, hey, I have uh, 15 uh, tech geniuses uh, being bored to death sitting in my office. Like that right. just doesn't happen, right? Um, um, tech intelligence is most probably one of the scarcest resources we, we do have. Hmm. And yet the challenges that have enjoyed a higher sense of urgency throughout the pandemic um, they have not vanished, right? So you're sitting with a massive imbalance of availability of uh, tech resources versus the magnitude of problems that you want to solve. Um, and that makes it a little difficult. So what, what do you do? You want to wait for two or three years and, uh, like until your next ERP um, um, update is done and your IT resources are free again? Or do you want to um, start improving on the processes in your supply chain organization right away um, and and we opt for the second that's why we did everything or that we do, that's why we do everything that we started doing with this no code approach so we say everyone who is good at microsoft excel mm -hmm. can configure our software 
okay. and you can see the results within one month. So you can go and like tiny bits, you can start with tiny bits uh, and then, for example, say, okay, I want to integrate my uh, customer uh, XY. How do I communicate today with them? I'm sending back and forth an Excel sheet. Fine. So then we map that Excel sheet uh, to parse it in, uh, contrary to going for a three-month EDI project, which nobody mm -hmm. has time for. Right. It's not the perfect solution, but we get going and we can see whether the process works. And this is how we avoid those big, I'm not allowed to use bad words now, but uh, these big, uh, let's call them failures in those massive uh, software projects, right? We want to start small, mm -hmm. run quickly, and then see whether it works or not, and then iterate on it. Yeah, that's one of the biggest barriers to bringing new technology on board is when does my IT department have time to be able to look at this with me? First of all, look at it. The second yeah. of all, assess how long it's going to take and when they have time to do it. And that yeah. could be months from now. And think about all everything that you could have done in that time frame yes. Yes. if you had just gotten started. Yes, and then and then you have to compete with uh, with all the other projects uh, that are also existing yeah. in your organization, right? So uh, your organization doesn't only exist out of supply chain experts. You've also got others, right? Um, mm -hmm. And 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 this is one thing. Of course, we try to work on value cases with our customers. So the first question is always, what do you want to get out of this? Mm -hmm. And then this is our key anchor. But still, um, if a supply chain management uh, project has to compete with a sales project that has immediate uh, revenue uh, effects, then you can make up your mind uh, who, who gets the higher prioritization. And, and we just don't want to accept um, being overruled by sales projects uh, and priority all the time. So, uh, so that's true. why no code <laughs> approach. So when we were doing research for this particular episode, we went on to your blog called BlogWord, which I thought was amazing. And there's a post around digitizing supply chains in real life, what works and what doesn't. So my question to you is, what ha whatever happened to the supply chain unicorns? Um, ah, I would I would have to ask my friends working there. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, um, I think... Around seven, eight years ago, um, this trend of investing in log tech has really took off, right? And we have seen those massive, ridiculous uh, funding investments. And of course, I believe uh, great, great solutions have uh, have evolved from that, right? The, the, there's a lot of of good happening um, using that funding and and the hype and and the and the attention that uh, supply chain management and log tech finally um, got, well deserved. Um, but I also think that the assumptions on which certain fundings were based on might not have been 100% correct. Mm. So one of the one of the assumptions or narratives I, I touched upon earlier, which is freight forwarders are still working based on facts and and phone calls. It was never true. It is not true. It's just made up. And 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 of course, if you're assuming as a let's say venture capital investor that the supply chain management landscape is working like this um completely outdated like in the 70s then you can you can finish the story um yourself by saying okay where, where does my solution then end and that's why i'm saying we, we've got great solutions um having evolved from from the massive hype and the massive investments um, but I also sense some dissatisfaction within our peer group, within our bubble, 
Um, you just need to hop online, Google a bit about like visibility and stuff that's happening around it. Um, um, I'm not going to use any names, obviously, but um, it's people in the bubble know that there is a certain, let's say, disappointment. Yeah, and, and I think that, that that's the main reason. Like we 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 have fallen in love with a narrative that was never true. Yeah. Well, and I think you're right. I think it really did put a spotlight on supply chain as being a great place to be able to make investments. And that's what it really did, right? It drew people in and we were able to support companies like Logboard, right? Yes. Like some of the other technology companies that are out there. Um, but right now we're sort of seeing that landscape, like who is going to stay? Who's not going to stay? And, you know, with LogWord being in business for five years and the trajectory that you're on and how you're actually doing it is really how we're showing success to some of those investors, what that success in supply chain can look like. And so I really like that blog that you guys wrote. I implore everybody to go and read it um, because you can really read about what works and what doesn't work. So finally, then we need to wrap this up. I think I could talk to you forever. But what does the future hold for LogWord? Tell us about that. Um, I think we're at a very, very, very um, interesting stage right now. Um, so we just um, convinced our new chief growth officer um, to join. Um, his name is Michael. And um, with him, I, I always use the, the following narrative or the, the following an, uh, analogy. We are a group of uh, crazy logistics kids and uh, logistics nerds that have been working crazily hard for the last five years on the product. And now it's about time to bring the adults in, the grown-ups. Um, and what, <laughs> and uh, Michael and others are uh, are those grown-ups and adults. And what I mean by this is, um, it was a crazy ride. Um, and we were always supported extremely well by our uh, corporate venture partner. Um, and we saw that the experiment that we started somehow worked. Today we are working with companies that run uh, that run north of 100 million US dollar transportation spend through our cloud platform. So it does work from the product side. What we have never done in our uh, short life as a company is to professionally commercialize everything, and that's what that's what the next iteration is uh, is about now, right? So we mm -hmm. we will now grow our commercial team, and we will grow our solution engineering team. We will reach out to the market a bit more. In the past, we were sitting in our basements, like no lights, lots of energy drinks and lots of pizza <laughs> and coding all day long. And now we will actually maybe put on a suit, uh, me not, but uh, others uh, will put on a suit a bit more, talk a bit more and, and reach out to, to the markets. Yeah, yeah. And expand into different industries. Take what you've learned in the chemical industry and move it towards CPG, you know, yes. electronics, so many different industries that need the solution like LogWord. And you believe in a future where supply chain leads the industry and drives transformation. And it can't get any better than that. If you want to find out more, you can check them out at LogWord, L-O-G-W-A-R-D.com. Massive thanks to Jonas for joining me today and the team at LogWord for making this episode happen. Thank you so much, Jonas. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, happy to demonstrate whatever we discuss now in a live demo. Yeah. Hope to see some of the audience uh, very soon. Awesome.
Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. So did you have a guess at today's big question? At the top of the show, I asked you how much capital funding was injected into supply chain technology in 2021. Well, it was a huge $19.1 billion. And as companies continue to put a focus on supply chain tech, that number is only going to grow. Wow, that's a big number. Keep listening for more questions. Keep engaging and reaching out on social media. We may have some special prizes to give away. If you'd like to hear more from us, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you're looking for a solution to your supply chain challenge, we've most likely had them on the show. So put your keyword into the search bar on our website and those podcast episodes will come up and you can find more about them before you get into their sales funnel. And remember to come back next week where I will be joined by Sharon Manker for another episode of Women in Supply Chain. I mean, we're lucky to have two this month, right? Sharon is an award-winning supply chain, supplier diversity, and inclusion strategist, author, board director, keynote speaker, and advocate. She is a truly incredible woman working hard to do good in our industry, and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to interview her about her career, community, education, supplier diversity, and being unapologetic in her mission to advocate for change, which is why it makes for an amazing episode and the perfect episode to celebrate Juneteenth. It's going to be an incredible episode, so make sure you tune in, and I'll see you next week. If you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn. We're also over on Instagram and Facebook. We also have TikTok. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, or subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool supply chain merch and grab our supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And if you haven't heard of it yet, we have a new brand out called the Secret Society of Supply Chain. These are membership groups designed for everyone in supply chain. We've got three exclusive groups. One is the Supply Chainers that has exclusive content for you. Two is the Woman in Supply Chain monthly meetup group, professionally facilitated. And number three is the creative room for marketing professionals in supply chain. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com, click on the banner that says Secret Society of Supply Chain, take the quiz and join the waitlist today. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. Great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.